2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I still, even though I was doing things to like break free of that, I don't care what people think, I was still doing things like kind of secretly. It was all on my own terms. And it was all in the safety of like my own private life. And it was like, well, if someone does find out, I kind of really don't care. God spoke to me right away, directly, and I just felt like I went from whatever I was doing, and I turned around immediately, and I was like in his arms. Today's episode is with my girl, Caitlin. And Caitlin's story is like many of our stories in that maybe we didn't all get it at once, and we didn't understand it so perfectly, and it all made sense. But over time, uh, little things started to add up. And it ended with us being free. I love Caitlin. I love her story. Uh, I love how honest she is and the freedom that she's walking in. So with that being said, let's let's kick it off. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. God is loving on me, colorful and innocent, that's on me, got me standing in the light and it's on me, it's a new heart, it's a new beat, it's a new thing, it's a new seat, it's a new thing, it's a new dream, it's a new heart, it's a new beat, and got me singing like, oh, got me singing like, so where where do you think your story when it comes to God being in your life? Where do you think that starts? Like in a obviously you went to Sabbath school and you did the TikTok, you know, yes, who's come to Sabbath school, Caitlin? You did all that. Um, <laughs> but when was like uh like you're starting to get a picture of God that's further along than you know, Sabbath school? Um, I feel like, honestly, 
2018. <laughs> no, 2000, 2019 was when this like really started from like the cradle on my parents were super involved in church my mom was like cradle role teacher so like I grew up with all of that stuff I was baptized at 12 years old you know um because that's what you do when you turn that age and not necessarily like oh let's just do it you know I I think I had this I had this I knew God loved me I knew Jesus loved me and I knew that you know you understand all these fundamental beliefs and then I always felt like I had a relationship with God, but there was always this like underlying fear of like, am I doing the right things? Am I obeying enough? Like I used, there were some nights I'd fall asleep reading my Bible and then there were stretches where I didn't read it. But, you know, I took my baptismal vow to read every day. And so every time I didn't, I didn't feel like I was like on track. And I remember being like 15 and going to bed and like being told, you have the assurance of salvation, but always feeling like I didn't like, okay, that's everybody feels assured, but me, like I would pray. My prayers at night would be to like, ask for forgiveness in case I died in my sleep. And I like, wasn't forgiven. So there was always this, like, I had a relationship with God and I knew he loved me and I loved him, but I had this fear or like this disconnect, if that makes sense. So I honestly, so what about, okay. So I know a little bit, about you. You went mm -hmm. to a boarding school. And yes, if you're listening to this and you're like, do boarding schools still exist? Like this isn't Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> yes, they still exist. Everybody's always so shocked when I tell them I went to a boarding school. They're like, what? They think I'm, yeah. Um, and I happened to work at a boarding school for, for a few years. And I was talking to somebody about this today. There's like a bunch of different kinds of kids at boarding school. And because the boarding schools that, you know, the one I worked at and the one you went to, like there's pretty strict rules, pretty strict rules because, you know, they're, they're Christian institutions and we love these kids and we want to make sure that like, we don't, we don't want stupid stuff to go down. We don't want like mistakes <laughs> to be made that will change somebody's life and uh how did you like you're you you pretty much left your home for in the large part at what age uh 16 yeah so you got to sunnydale when you were junior yeah i was homeschooled most of my uh most of my life and then <laughs> my dad took a job as a pastor in missouri and so took me to, I was like, I'm done. I'm done being homeschooled. I need to get out. And so uh, my dad tried everything to keep me from going. He wanted me to stay home. I was like, no. So. Oh, you um, wanted went, to go. I went, I wanted to go. I was tired of being at home. I wanted to like make more friends. Um, so I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going. I love you, but I'm leaving. So I went my junior year. So I only went for two years. Yeah. So let me ask you this question because I had quite a bit of a different experience coming to college. When I got to college, um, people were just like, you know, the college I went to, I went to uh, a Christian college and there was a curfew where, where if you go to a public school, you're like curfew. What, what is a curfew? Well, we had a curfew at the college I went to and I actually had freedom when I got to college because my parents were very strict. 
So I got to college and I was like, oh, wow, curfew's at 11 and it's at 1 a.m. on Friday night. Wow, that's crazy. That's like, and the other kids are just like, kids, they're, you know, 18, 19 year old kids are just like, oh man, we got to be back at this time. And so I couldn't relate to feeling um, trapped or that there was more rules when I got to college. What did you feel like when you got to boarding school at age 16? I was excited because I was around so many people and having so much fun that when I look back on my experience, I'm like, man, yeah, Sunnydale, you know, there were these rules and like boarding school has, like you said, a ton of rules, but I don't think about those as much as my experience I had. I was just having so much fun with all my friends. Um, But I also didn't feel like I had a big I didn't have a lot of rules at home either. Like I didn't grow up with a bedtime. Like, so it was a, it was a change. It was a change to have my phone taken away (laughs) like most of the time. So it was a transition in that aspect. But I think in my brain, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll give that away since I get to literally be with all my friends all the time anyway, if that answers your question. So when you're there, you know, there's lies that come for us all the time. And in boarding school, lies start early and often. The enemy wants us to get our value from being in a relationship or um, that kind of status or whatever. When you get there and you see this kind of, when this is going on, how did you, can you, can you recall some of the lies that you were feeling early on? Yes. I'm kind of glad you went in this direction because this was a major part. I think this is really where a lot of my affirmation and like validation, all of those lies started pretty heavy. Um, so I, my junior year at Sunnydale, I had got my first boyfriend. Um, and it was the first one. So it was very like, it was the very much like puppy love. Like I didn't really care what he did. He, you know, the relationship ended up being really complicated and toxic. But I remember like in between our breakups, um, other boys from the school would tell me or guys who were starting to talk to me on and off, whatever, uh, would say that when I was single, the guys would, and this is like secondhand information. I don't know if this is completely true, that the guys would make this list of like, who would be next in line most likely to date me? And so-and-so thinks Caitlin is wife material. And Caitlin's the kind of girl that you date to marry. Like you marry her, you don't mess around with her. And I had like hearing all this stuff, like just solidified, like I'm a good girl. I'm valuable. If I just like keep up this, um, like, like I'm worthy if I, you know, check off all these boxes and stay like, like I don't mess around with people. I was very, and I think Sunnydale really kickstarted my, um, like religiously conservative period of my life. I was pretty vocal about like the music you shouldn't listen to, like topics in the church that were hot topics at the time. Like I, I was very convicted of things and I made it known. And there were some people thought like I, was a little judgmental or remember me for being very like passionate about being very conservative. And so I hearing that guys found that valuable and that I wasn't like promiscuous, whatever started it. Like I remember, I think from then on, like I had this idea that if I don't mess around, if, you know, I could get dumped and my ex would like go do something with someone else. And I'm hearing all this stuff. 
I still like, it's not that I wouldn't do it. You know, I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to do it, but also felt like I couldn't step out of these lines of expectation that this person had of me or else I would no longer be desirable to them. I wanted them to regret breaking up with me because I was so good. So high school really like kickstarted that whole idea that my value came from what boys thought of me and how much wife material I could be. So there's like, like you could have gone one of both ways. You could have gone wife material or you could have gone, oh, the fun, I'll use that word, the fun girl or whatever. Why did you choose? Is it because someone had pigeonholed you in that category already that you were like, and and you were a sweet girl that you're like, oh, I'll just go harder in this direction? Or did you even think about it like that? I don't even know if I thought about it. I think I just like, I knew that, you know, if I was well behaved, I was good. And if I was good, I was desirable. And, you know, it was, I felt very like, I guess, proud of myself. It was like a pride thing too. Um, watching, you know, like I would see other girls do other things or, and there were times that I used like, I used to think, oh, so-and-so thinks I'm wife material. There were times it didn't really pl- like play out for me, I guess, if you could say so-and-so thinks I'm wife material. I start talking to them, but then so-and-so who's the, the fun girl comes along, decides they want this guy, they get him. Hmm. So I used to think like, well, well then fine, like whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm, I was proud of myself cause I was staying on track or whatever. And I guess that's how I thought about it. I didn't, I don't know if it was super like a conscious thought more subconscious and it slowly just grew. So you grabbed onto these like conservative ideals. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this and for the most part, you think most Christians are conservative. Well, it goes, it's it's a little deeper than that (laughs) sometimes. And uh, there's conservative and liberal Christians. And if I remember, you know, probably back then, I don't know if it was, Women's ordination. It was, yeah. Women's ordination was a big one. Was um, homosexuality you, a big topic or was that not, that, that's not even something we can't even get no, past women's ordination. No, women's ordination and homosexuality was definitely big. And I think there were some events at Sunnydale where I was part of the group of students who, you know, went to the principal because we were upset with this and that. And we didn't think this, like I was, you know, very passionate about those those topics. Okay, why? Um, I think part of it stemmed from um, I was convinced that this was the right thing and there's like a pride that comes with feeling like you're right about everything, <laughs> that you're on the right side of the fight. And I think another part of it comes from being a pastor's daughter and carrying my parents' beliefs into my life and saying that I didn't believe it because my parents believed that it's my conviction. But I think there was a a part of me that said, you know, my parents are proud of me because I'm like vocal about these things. And my, my parents are proud of me when I can go home and tell them like, yeah, this is what's like being able to like relate to my parents in that way and see that they're proud of me because I'm doing what they want me to do. So I think it was it was it was kind of both. It was a thinking I was right on the right side of history and wanting my parents' my parents' approval of me in, you know, doing what's right. So then who was God like 
as you're developing all these thoughts and beliefs and what's right and what's wrong or whatever, what is the picture of God that was that was in your life? Definitely my judge. I think I knew I had this soft image, like I knew I, there was this soft God who loved me and loved everyone, but I, I still think I had such a judgmental mindset that that's how I saw God more. It's like he loves me, but if I don't fill these standards or I don't believe the right things or act the right way, uh, I'm still in trouble. Like I'm still not like 100% with with him. So it was, it's almost like I had two pictures of God and one was a little a little more towards the front. <laughs> hmm. Did you feel like you were right with him? Sometimes I did. And that's where the relationship with God was very up and down. I've been through so many like revivals or week of prayers or I've been to so many evangelistic series in my life <laughs> that there's always that high and low. It was never it was never more consistent than that. Like there have been times I've gone to, you know, I've, I've heard a sermon where I've gone up front and I've cried and, you know, I, I came to the front when they, you know, they did the altar call and I'd go home and I would delete all my music that wasn't, that wasn't good. And I would like cleanse myself because I needed, you know, I was, I had a heart change or whatever and I cleansed myself and then I just found myself like, well, I like this and I like that. And it would slowly go back to just, eh. I know God's there. I have a relationship with him, but I'm kind of, kind of like mediocre. And then something would happen again where I would bring me back. And there's always that little bit of like, I had to get rid, I had to get rid of something and you could never like, like the things that you like or enjoy things. You have to just like shed yourself of things you like. And I think that's what I thought. And so I'd go through these phases. I remember throwing away like Taylor Swift CDs and I look back today and I'm like so sad about it. But like the just the things that I thought I had to purge from my life and it would just come in waves and depending on like the sermon I heard or, you know, it was never this constant like, man, God is so good. It would, And most of the time it wasn't, oh my gosh, God is so good. It was, man, like, I really got to change my life so because God did all this for me and I have to like I have to match that, you know, I have to obey the right way. So fluctuated. So because God did all this, now you've got to as you some of this was probably taught, some of this is probably implied because mm-hmm. By the letter, we understand righteousness by faith. We understand it by the by the letter, right? But by the Spirit, we act in a different way. We know that yeah. there's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. But in the way we talk about it, it seems like that's... Am I wrong? Is that is that like no, that's what you felt? Spot, it's spot on. I think there, there were times I've had conversations with my parents and I've said, man, when, you know, I stepped into freedom and I would talk to my mom and my dad and I would say, did you know it says this in this book? Did you know that this says this? And they're like, yes, we taught you this your whole life. You know, we taught you the best we could. And I'm, I'm sitting here so confused because 
it's, it really wasn't ever said out loud. It was kind of just implied or the emphasis on what we talk about and what we say. You know, I've had Romans read to me, but we don't talk about what I hear the word truth so much. <laughs> and then I re- I realized at one point, I'm like, okay, well, we say we'll know the truth and, and we talk about we need to have truth. and um, But we focus so much on what's false that it was almost implied that everything else is just a given, but we need to be really super aware of like what's wrong so that we cannot do that. And I feel like that was where that that's the message that I got subconsciously to where I thought that it was all about what I did. It was all about my behavior at the end of the day. That's interesting that it's like, why are we talking about love, right? Like, why are we talking about the gospel? Like, we've all understood the gospel. Like, the gospel is the news that Jesus has died for your sins so that if you believe in him, you're, you know, it's John 3.16. We understand that. And Mm -hmm. we understand love. But we really haven't. <laughs> no, we don't at all. <laughs> like, I wish I could say I understood the gospel. I didn't understand the gospel. No. I knew that love meant that you didn't seek your own, but I didn't think it was possible. I don't I don't know if I thought in the front of my mind that I didn't think it was possible to not seek your own or to not keep record mm-hmm. of wrongs. Uh, it's It's just like a goal that I'll be going for my whole life. And, but because I'm this, you know, there's so much double mindedness. And so it really is very confusing. Mm -mm. It's, I think the word that comes to my mind is conditional. There was this, like God's love is unconditional, but I felt like everything was conditional. I felt like my approval, you know, my approval from people that was conditional. My parents being proud of me or, or, um, approving of what I did and all of this, like everything felt conditional. And I was so afraid of it going wrong that all I did was follow the rules. And I'm like, if I can just, even if I don't feel like I want this or I want to do this, if I can just give the the appearance that I'm doing this or make people think this way, then then I won't have any bad, like I won't be reprimanded. I won't, my parents won't be upset with me. Guys will like me. People will want to be my friend. So I think I lived in this fear of, of, of conditional love and I don't even know like where that's, you know, how that necessarily started. But I, I, it's not like I've, you know, I'm a a rule follower. And so I was one of those kids that was so afraid to get in trouble that I I know my, you know, how my parents raised me when I was little, I guess I was sensitive, but it didn't take much to make me like, Oh, Okay, like dad just snapped his fingers. I was done. Whatever I did, like so afraid of getting in trouble that I just followed and Mm -hmm. I listened. And um, I was shy a lot. And (laughs) my dad's a very outgoing, talkative person. And I was thinking today, I've had people say like, you don't talk much, you know, as a kid. They're like, you're you're shy, you don't talk much because your dad does all the talking for you, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And I think to a point, like I became really submissive because... I just let everybody lead me and I was too afraid to make waves to have a different of a difference of, of opinion or if I was validated enough in my opinion from someone I, I could then strongly have it but everything I believed and said like I had to have some type of like validation before I could then be strong in it if, if that makes sense. Sure it does 
So what did it make you feel about the people that were not following the rules that were living recklessly and you're over here, you're doing, you're working Mm -hmm. hard to how, what was their position in your heart? Like, how did you position them? I think it depended on like what they were doing. And if I secretly wish I could get away with that, (laughs) (laughs) there's some people like as a pastor's daughter, there's this like stereotype that there's multiple types. There's the wild and crazy one. And then there's the very conservative one. And then I, I liked to consider myself balanced is what (laughs) I would tell people. But I think there were some like pastor's kids who would be the opposite. They'd be like the crazy ones doing all the partying and whatever. And part of me was just like, why? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you be so stupid? Like, (laughs) why would you do those things? And then there's sometimes it's like, I wish I could do that. I think consciously I thought, no, I don't want to do those things because I know the results. And then I think subconsciously it was just a constant fear of what would happen if I did it not necessarily like always that it was wrong. And then there were times it's like I was just afraid of God's judgment because I knew it was wrong in the Bible. Um the 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 question why would somebody do that? That that makes me just think you were raised in a good home. Because <laughs> like when you're raised in a home that's loving. Mm-hmm. Like and you have the love of both of your parents and it's it's a loving place to be it's a safe place to be um there's no need to step outside to medicate with something that would make you not think about it that yeah. would make you you want to get out and, and experience something like home is safe and mm-hmm. at home there's nothing crazy going on and so i think you and i have that in common i never really was tempted for any kind of drug or alcohol abuse or anything like that because I was Mm -hmm. like, why? Like, but I can't blame anybody because like my experience was, was different. You know, I was, Mm -hmm. I was loved and, um, but the people who were going after medication to numb this or to numb that or to feel or, or to, you know, rebelliousness against legalism or whatever there's so many different reasons why people would go and do that i just didn't understand it at the time mm-hmm. and now i see you know the lies when, when when you understand the gospel you can see the lies a lot clear clearer and why people mm-hmm. would do what they're doing uh, does that make sense does that resonate with you yeah, and I think that it also changed for me in, I don't want to say in college, I want to say kind of after college. That all changed for me, and I did understand why. <laughs> uh, there was a a big shift in what I cared about anymore. Um, I don't know if we want to jump to Well, let's get not, to college. But... You get there, and it's a bigger world, even though it's mm-hmm. a still a small Christian school. It's bigger than where you come from. Uh, and you're in and out of relationships. What, what was your value and how were you getting value? Was it the same as high school or as college is moving through and you're experiencing all these different things? How were you changing and how was, yeah, who was old Caitlin in college? 
feel like I haven't really thought about this that much. Um, I, th- I mean, I still got, you know, validation from guys, what they thought of me. Um, like, I loved hearing that, you know, so-and-so um, thinks you're cute or, you know, they heard this about you. Um, I started the gymnastics team and I remember someone telling me, because I, I did contortion, I did like my own solo routine and someone said, I feel like that really puts you on the map at Union College because it was something different and whatever. And so things like that, you know, just reaffirming that validation that I needed. Um, I don't even, I was in and out of relationships, so I don't really remember a long stretch of time where I wasn't talking to a guy at least, just like hanging out or talking to someone in and out of relationships with the same people, back with new people, very back and forth. My timeline of dating, like sometimes I can't even tell you what year with who when because it was very complicated. Um, But I spent most of my college years on and off with the same person and it eventually ended my senior year of college. So it went senior year of high school to senior year of college on and off. And it took up a big, it took up a big chunk. And I think a lot of my value was in that. And I think I kept going back to it because it was safe and it was like something I've worked hard on. And, but even in that relationship, I remember thinking like, I can't do this because then they'll think I'm not, you know, they'll judge me for that. They could go make a mistake and I would forgive them. But if I wore jewelry or, you know, did this or that, like I would no longer be considered the wife material that they want. And so that I still carried that with me into college for sure. How did that work out? Like how did that going, like really trying hard to be that wife material? And then it sounds like, you did not marry this person. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did that work out? What did that do to you then that constant? I think I had a lot of anger, that relationship. When it finally ended, I, you know, on and off when they would mess up and I would take them back. I thought like, man, I do so much for this person. And I've put so much into this and all I get back is this. And, um, but I love them and I want to be with them and I want to get what I've, you know, I want to have the ending I've worked so hard for and which is a terrible reason to be in a relationship. Um, but at the end of it, I felt relief. And I think we were both to the point where we had just like, we'd beat a dead horse so many times we were both relieved and we cared about each other enough that we were like, this is good. This is good. This is done. We can move on now. Um, and I was happy. I was relieved at the time. And then I think my, my like grieving process was different than it had been before. It started with relief and like, oh, it's over. Could be happy. And then it was sad. And then it was just full-blown anger. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like, why didn't it play out? Like, I've given so much time to this. I think I struggled a lot with, and the lie still comes up sometimes, like, I wasted all that time. Like, what could I have done in all those years? Who could I have met or... You know, I didn't get anything from it. So it was a bunch of wasted time. So as you're experiencing that and, you know, college is older people, bigger problems. You're seeing more Mm -hmm. of what life has to offer. You're seeing more of what sin has to offer. You're seeing more, like more of everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
who was God by the end of this? Okay. Well, something that keeps flaring in my head that I should, I feel like I should bring up. Um, there was a point when I was still dating our lovely mutual friend um, <laughs> that he was very on fire for things. And he was like trying to get me to read these books. And um, I felt like anytime we talked about religions, like religious things or relationship with God, like it was very much like I needed, he was like yapping at me, like preaching at me. And it just drove me nuts. Well, there's this one night and I don't really remember what happened or why this started but I felt an evil presence. It was hanging out with him and one of my best friends. And I thought I saw something move. I just like, I felt this like shudder went through me and I felt this really evil presence. And I was like, that's weird. Uh, and I said out loud, like, we need to pray. So me and like, we prayed out loud. I don't know what happened. I went home that night or went to my dorm that night. And um, I just remember feeling so afraid. And I, I remember calling my dad because he was, you know, like in my life, that was the highest like spiritual person for me. Just, and I don't even think I told him what happened. I just talked to him about stuff and I felt better. Like that felt like a safe place. And then I remember taking a shower and in the shower, I just lost it. Cause I, I just, I was building up in fear and I remember losing it. And in that moment, I don't think in my life I have ever felt more at peace than in that moment right there. I just, I feel like God spoke to me and was like, like you're safe. I don't, I don't remember what he said, but I just felt so safe and, and loved. Mm -hmm. And I remember like crying it out and just crying tears of like complete joy. And I don't remember if that's ever happened to me before. Mm -hmm. Um, so I go back to my room and I tell my roommate, I remember thinking like I could drop dead right now and I know I'll be in heaven and I've never felt that in my life. And, um, I kind of mentioned it to my roommate. My roommate was like, okay, yeah, that's weird. Like <laughs> I was telling her like, I could die today. And I was so like ecstatic about it. And I remember the next morning, I think it was a Friday night. So the next morning I called my boyfriend and I told him and he jumped on that opportunity, not to just encourage me, but to be like, oh, well, you need to read this and then you need to do this. And I just remember that being a moment where I think I don't always connect that in my story, but I think that's the first time God truly just like engulfed me hmm. with so, like complete peace and love and safety. And like I said before, things go up and down. I think that kind of, you know, that was a high for me and things went back to normal later on. But when things really changed December-ish 2019, um, I was hanging out with a mutual friend of ours as well. And he started talking about God stuff. And I was like, this guy doesn't talk about God. We're hanging out and we're, we're driving somewhere. And he starts talking about the Sabbath school he's going to. And I'm like, well, what is it? Like, what is, what is different about it? What is it about? And he started telling me. And I remember like, first of all, why is he talking about Jesus? Second of all, and I told him out loud, I was like, that's very different than the fire and brimstone that I grew up. I didn't like judge it too harshly, but I was still a little skeptical because like, oh, that sounds like a lot of love stuff. Like, well, what, what were very, you hearing? I don't, I literally don't remember what he said. I just remember him saying like, you know, it's, it's not about like earnings, <sighs> maybe just like earning salvation or like, you know, talking about how much God loves us. I really don't remember what it was. I just remember being like, that's not, that's not in character for this guy mm -hmm. to talk about this. And so he would mention it to me, and then I heard some of my other friends were going to it, and 
Um, I think he'd invited me to it a couple times. And then one Friday evening, I think he had messaged me and said, you should come to Sabbath school tomorrow. And um, the next morning, I hadn't decided. The next morning I woke up and I asked my roommate, I'm like, will you go to Sabbath school with me? She was like, sure. So we like last minute, like got ready and we ran over there and we told another friend of mine, Tori, Mm -hmm. um, about it. And so last minute, just like went in, not really knowing what to expect. And that was the first time I had been exposed to all of this. I was in a group with Drew and Morgan. And then my, my two friends were with me and I don't remember who else was like in the group, but you (laughs) were there. What, what, What was it? What was it that was like, what are you hearing in this thing? that you're like, oh, this is a little bit different, but this is starting to make a little bit sense. And I know this is a long time ago, but. Yeah, I think a lot of it was, you know, validation and like where we get our value and affirmation from is not from, you know, our school or relationships. Um, It's from the truth about us. And I literally, like you said, I don't even remember what we were reading necessarily and how all of the conversations went. But I just remember hearing like, man, I really don't get my value from, like my my value from God doesn't come with how well I behave or how often I read my Bible. And it, things were starting to like, I was grasping it, but I, I still wasn't, it wasn't hitting me. I was wanting it, but I was like, I can't have it. And so you started circling my group. You were like standing, you were like a shark. And I felt <laughs> like you were ready to <laughs> devour someone. And oh, you were yeah. pop quizzing me because then Drew noticed that I was vibing with it and came after me. And you started like pop quizzing me, asking me these questions to like identify lies. And I remember thinking like, first of all, I don't even like you. Get out of my face. (laughs) Like at this point, I did not like you. And I was frustrated that you were like attacking me. And I felt like, I felt like I was going to like say the wrong thing or whatever. Um, But you were just trying to help me like narrow down like the lie. And I think I said something like fear. So Morgan um, gets with me. And through the whole thing, I was like, I... I wanted it and I, it was it was getting to me, but I thought, you guys don't know, I can't just get rid of this right now because going back to the anger I was holding from my last relationship, I was in a bind with my ex in a way that was still, something was still going on financially and I, I hadn't let go of it. I was really angry that they had this like financial hold over me still post-breakup and I thought, I want this, but you guys don't get what's going on right now. And I can't tell any of you because you know this person and that's just like none of, you know. So you guys, you guys can't understand what's happening. You can't understand it. And I want, and there was so much of me that wanted to say it, but there were so many people in the group who personally knew my ex that I was like, I can't, I can't talk about this. I wanted so bad for someone to take me out, like, and go in a different room so I could just be with one person and tell them everything. But it still, it it got to me. Like that was like the beginning of breaking down, you know, lies and and where my heart was like, "Ooh, you want this?" <laughs> so, so it's December mm-hmm. twenty nineteen. Okay, and I just want to explain what's kind of going on. If you're listening and you're just like, <laughs> "That sounds kind of wild," okay. So, Tyler, and if you haven't heard Tyler's story, he's episode one. If you haven't heard Morgan's story, she's episode two. But they're on fire. Their marriage has been reconciled. Everything's like just completely changed in, in their lives. Uh, my wife and I, we have been reconciled. We're all up in Lincoln. And this is three months after uh, 
Morgan like is filled with the Holy Spirit and her life has changed. And we were doing something, I think that, I don't know, I wouldn't say we don't do it as much, but we were all near each other. And so we would have the, and we were doing a Sabbath school that, you know, we weren't online. The pandemic <laughs> hadn't happened. There was no Zoom. We were not what doing, time. <laughs> we were not doing Bible studies. There was no podcast. Uh, it was just us learning about the gospel and it started to connect all of these dots and we were walking people through confession because mm-hmm. like, and mean confession, meaning like if you're able to name the lie, then you can see it for the lie that it is. And so like we would present truth, like you are holy, you're blameless, you're above reproach. Like you didn't earn your salvation. Salvation mm-hmm. is Jesus and you have righteousness because it's a free gift. And we would present all this truth. And because there would be people, and this was kind of like a new thing, right? There was no Mm -hmm. love reality tour that people were talking about or anything like that. It was kind of all, (laughs) it's all kind of new. And so people are hearing this stuff. And when you're hearing you're righteous, Mm -hmm. and when you're hearing you're holy and blameless and above reproach, and then when someone's like, like, well, what is the lie that you're living under? Like, if you don't understand that, it just hits different. You're just like, wait, what? What? What is going on? And, and stuff starts to, to make sense. And this is what we were doing a lot of in that period. But we really didn't even know the Bible verses. We just knew <laughs> God's character. And we knew like, well, God is this because, and we knew like Romans 6 and Colossians mm-hmm. 1 and Colossians 3 and, and maybe the first part of Ephesians 1. So we knew those things. And that was enough for us to be like, yo, God's character is this. <laughs> and so you walk into the Sabbath school and you kind of just walk into a buzzsaw and like, you're right, I'm there and I just want people to understand this, but, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to discern how the Holy Spirit is is moving in my life and in my heart. And I'm trying to listen and pay attention, but I'm not I'm trying not to talk over people. And this is, it, this is, if you're hearing this and you knew old Richard or you knew like, <laughs> or have you been walking with me since? freedom like you'll see you know my life has changed and how I talk to people is probably different and I think at the time going back like I didn't really like you I thought you you know through college I grew a distaste for you fair (laughs) enough um yeah um and so that part of the reason I was hesitant to go to this app school in the first place was because I was like okay it's all of the very outgoing the, all of the really cool people from union who are in charge. So like it's intimidating to a shy person. And, um, so it took me a while and finally went and yeah, you circling me. And like, I felt like I was like, Oh, he thinks he's so great. He can just come over here and like, like pop quiz me and make me feel dumb. I think like things like that were going through my head. And then, um, but then I was like, you know, praying with Morgan and, and really absorbing things. And then at the end, everybody claimed that we were freed. And I remember thinking like, okay, you came up to me with a phone and you were either recording something or FaceTiming someone and you put it in my face and you were like, tell them how you feel. I did this? You're f- Yeah. You were like, you're free now. Tell them all, how- tell everybody how you feel. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm just going to say what I know they want me to say. Like, I feel lighter. Like, and I remember faking it because it was stu- the wheels were turning, but I just remember feeling like this isn't real for me yet. Like, you guys yeah. just you think you 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 caught your fish and now you're showing it to everybody, and that that's how I felt 
at that point, but it's still, it was still in there, you know. What, I, what happened that day still stuck with me. Okay, I wanted to take a break. I brought in my guy, Justin Koo, and Justin is going to tell us about the new season of The Move. Tell us about the new season of The Move, Justin. The Move is a show. It's an experience where we basically dedicate 10 or so minutes at a time and open up a passage of scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Um, some of your listeners might remember season one where Jonathan, Leonardo, and I went through the entire book of Romans. And yeah, for yeah. many of us, myself especially, this was a transformational experience. Who knew that when you open up the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to move, that lives are in fact changed. Mercy. The good news is that this is not just limited to Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, but all of the Bible, you can have this <laughs> similar experience experience. So this season of the move, we're starting in the book of Genesis, which is perfect for our death to life audience because every episode of death to life features a whole bunch of messy situations. And right. then this miraculous moment when Jesus enters the picture and everything changes. Genesis is all about that. Maybe you won't see the explicit name of Jesus, but you absolutely see the Holy Spirit on display entering into the lives of some of the craziest stories. I mean, we're talking about murder. We're talking about rape. We're talking about incest. We're talking about prostitution. There's even pimping in the stories of Genesis. It's just some wild things. And so what does it look like if we return back to the Old Testament with these gospel lenses that we've now received yeah. in freedom and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us? This is exactly what the move is all about. You can find it on YouTube or you can find it on podcasts. All you got to do is search The Move with Justin Koo. Awesome, man. We're going to be listening. Thank you, sir. I just want to take this time to just like praise God for like sometimes we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. We we desperately want people to see God's love and we're clumsy. And we because we're a hammer everything is a nail, right? And so we're just like <laughs> you must understand. And so <laughs> But praise God that, and I, I feel like this is a Morgan Huffman quote that he does wonders with our blunders. Like he, he, he knows our heart. He sees, and even if, like it's not all understood, it's all seed. It's all planting a seed of yeah. of God, who God is, His character. And if you see like your life is not matching up, it doesn't feel great. And a lot of the time, someone will get mad at the person who's presenting it. And that's, that's been me mm -hmm. before 100%. And, you know, God's grown us and, and gave us discernment and, and we're growing in that thing. But it's amazing that we're having this conversation now because mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure it didn't feel good. And I'm sure that we didn't really, you know, we're, we just loved God. We've just been, we're just like, God, God, you know, he's so amazing. <laughs> he's better than they were advertising. He's so good. <laughs> and so I just think of that moment. I, th I It's just uh, praise God. So you leave that thing. What did you, you, you stepped away with what? What was the one thought that may be different? Like there may be something to this. I think that it started to etch away at my, um, my judgment on myself and, you know, I was holding myself to this like unattainable standard, you know, and realizing like it was chipping away at my need to 
like earn God's love with my obedience and not the other way around or if that makes sense. But yeah, like I think there was a relief. There was a relief in not just not like, oh, I don't have to do all these things. And so like now being a Christian is easier because I don't have to obey the rules. It was more like it took that pressure of rule following off so that I could just enjoy what I was hearing and what I was reading instead of that like almost like anxiety that would come with being a Christian before because you can't live up to everything all the time. So I just remember at the beginning, like, man, I I don't have to, like, if I don't read my Bible every day, I'm not going to hell. Like I'm not, not right with God and not because I didn't want to read my Bible every day, but just that, that fear was starting to be taken away, which fear motivated everything in my life. So I, I started to hold on to that. And I, Honestly, don't remember. I think between that Sabbath school and the next part of my life we're going to get into, um, I don't really remember everything in between that because what happened as I started to hear the these truths, I was grasping onto them, but then I also like, it started to fuel my anger a little bit. And I don't know if, I don't want to say it fueled my anger, but I think I started to gain this awareness of why. You know, everything comes back to why you do it. And I realized like, oh, I do this and this and this because I want everyone's approval. I don't do these things because I want everybody to pat me on the head and say that I'm a good Christian girl and mom and dad approve of me and people want to marry me and all this stuff. And then when I realized that going to these Sabbath schools, then I just got really mad. And I was like, screw this. I'm tired of living for people's approval. And then I went through this phase (laughs) where... I wanted to break free of that, and I chose to do that um, in some not-so-great ways. Wait, so, so went, help me understand this. Your motive was then exposed then, and yeah. your motive was not from a true heart of obedience. Your motive was for affirmation and to be thought of as something. Yes. When that motive, and so when that motive hit you, you were not happy to find that out. No, no, I was royally, I was angry. (laughs) I was really angry. And I remember I had this conversation. It was a Sabbath afternoon after Sabbath school, after church with my friends in my little apartment. And I remember telling them this realization I had and how I was like, I can't believe this. And I was angry. And that slowly went into... Angry at yourself for having that motive or angry at that it was exposed? I don't really... I don't know. I think I think I was angry kind of at other people in a way. Um, and I, But I don't even really know if it was at me or what. I just remember feeling like I can't believe I... I have been living for other people. Like I did nothing for me. I didn't make any choices. I was never selfish. I was never like strong enough to make my own decisions. I not only lived for people's approval, but I couldn't make a decision without someone telling me what's okay and what's not okay. Um, I didn't have a backbone. I think I was just angry at life and how I had been living it for so long that I was like, I'm tired of making decisions for other people. Now I'm going to make them and I'm not going to care what they think about me. Like I'm done caring what people think about me. So you're overcorrecting now. Before it's like everything and now you're just like, (laughs) screw everybody, I'm living for, okay. Yeah, which is funny because I still, the next phase of the little phase of my life, I still, even though I was doing things to like break free of, I don't care what people think, I was still doing things like kind of secretly. Like I wasn't like 
to the point where people were like, whoa, Caitlin's going a little crazy. It was all on my own terms and it was all in the safety of like my own like private life. But for me, it was out of character and it was like, well, if someone does find out, I kind of really don't care, but I'm not advertising it in the, I wasn't like advertising it in that way or showboating. Like I don't care anymore. I think I just went through this phase where I'm like, I need to get this out of my system or I need to do the things Caitlin wouldn't do because I'm tired of being old Caitlin. And yeah, so, so it was short lived, but that's very interesting <laughs> because, Why is that? well, because like the truth is, is, you know, kind of revealed to you that mm-hmm. it wasn't out of pureness of heart why you were living the way you were living. Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking like, I want a pure heart to live how I've always wanted to live. It's now like, well, I'm, it, it turns into a, like a little rebellious thing. Yeah, it did. It, I mean, there were some things I think before that there were some things that I still I'm trying to think of my timeline here. There there were things that I had started to do or like I had alcohol for the first time in college. I um I think my biggest thing was that I decided to f- mess around with a guy that I had been keeping my like no, I'm not going to go there with that person. I know I could. And when I realized I know I could I know I could have access to this person and I want to get out of my, you know, comfort zone of being such a good girl that I took advantage of that situation. I started drinking to the point where it was like, I was okay with drinking because I was sad. I was okay with like, and even then it was still in like a safe, confined space, but I just started doing things more because of like, I just didn't care anymore. Like there were things I did in college. I would, I would go, I've been, I'd gone to the club and done things, but it was always like contained and you keep it on the down low and it's not like something you do all the time. But I, during my anger period, I just was like, I like alcohol and I don't really care about my, a certain level of my purity anymore. Um, so yeah, I was, my mindset definitely changed to more of like a, I'm doing this because I want to get it out of my system. I want to be rebellious. So, uh, yeah, what, what were the results of that? Like, did it, did it bring the result, the desired result? No, (laughs) surprisingly, no. (laughs) Um, I, like I said, that timeline is kind of fuzzy, but I remember like for New Year's, I went out with someone and, you know, got super drunk and like I was having fun and I, I always... For some reason, I had this limit, like I I would play with the limit, but I knew where my limit was Mm -hmm. and I would always like just go up to it and I wouldn't cross it. But, you know, you continually go up further and further. Um, And into the after the new year, after the new year happened and everything. This is right before the pandemic then. Yeah, right before I had been talking to this guy and then that ended. And then that's when I was like, oh, I'm free to mess around with so and so now. And so that went on for, I want to say a couple weeks-ish. Um, and then I don't remember what it was or what exactly happened before. But one night I'm scrolling through Facebook and I 
see that a friend of mine posted Morgan's testimony. Um, like it was recorded at a church. It was on, it was like a YouTube video. Um, and I don't normally watch hour long YouTube videos as someone shares on Facebook. I usually am like, Oh, okay, cool. And I just keep scrolling. But something said like, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I have time. This can't hurt. It'll and be Morgan's for me. super cool. We all love Morgan's. And, and yeah, I could just look at her face all day. And so I clicked the video and my roommate, I don't remember if she had come home yet or not, but, or she was in the shower or something. I start the sermon. Um, it's starting to really, I'm like, okay, I'm really into this. So I went and I took it in my bedroom and I'm getting emotional at this point. I think my roommate had come home, just taking a shower and I was like avoiding seeing her because I was like really into it and starting to get emotional and I just wanted privacy with it. And I don't remember the, the prayer Morgan prayed necessarily, but she talked about how, you know, you know, her relationship with Tyler and how she was holding on to, you know, anger against him and everything. And I, 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 the prayer had something to do with like, just lay it down and let it go. And I remember just bawling my eyes out and like, I let it go. I had put it down my anger against my ex and all this stuff. I, I finally felt free from it. And I think that that was like my pivotal, like, Oh, I'm free now. Like I'm, I can actually be free. And I remember texting her and being like, Morgan, I'm bawling my eyes out. Like, this is so good. Um, and that was it. And I think the, the reason it had to be Morgan because people are, you know, people are telling me you, Oh, I completely forgot a whole portion of this. So I went to Vespers one night and at union and I get in there and my ex is up front, I think, playing something, you know, he's musical. So he was up front and I remember just being super like, it really upset me. And I, I'm talking to, I was texting Derek or someone. Yeah, I was texting Derek and I was like, you know, just pray for me. I'm really upset right now. Like I was in the church lobby, like almost in tears. And he said, you should come over. Tyler's here. And I was like, no, it's okay. Just pray for me. <laughs> and, um, He's like, no, come over. And I was like, no, it's really fine. Just pray for me. I'm just like feeling my feels right now. And then Tyler texts me and he's like, no, you need to come over. Come over right now. I'm like, no, guys, it's fine. He's like, bring hot chocolate. You're coming over to talk. <laughs> and I'm like, fine. And so I go home and I get this tub of hot chocolate and and I I drive over to his house to Derek's house and it's just Tyler and Derek. We're sitting on the couch and um Tyler starts talking to me about it. And Derek knew about the situation with my ex already, but I had told it to Tyler and he, a lot of stuff he said that night. And I remember him telling me, you know, the verse about in Matthew about the pearl. And he said, who's the pearl? And I literally was not registering. I was like, Jesus, he's like, you, you're the pearl. You're the, you're the prize. Um, and he, they also had like another prayer that night. This was like my second or third freedom prayer I had had at this point. And I was still like, ugh, like it's not happening. Like I'm saying the words, I'm laying it down, but it's just not clicking. Um, that night, super, I don't know why I forgot about it. It was like a super big moment because I felt like sometimes in the freedom discussions, it felt, I felt invalidated with my pain. Like you can't have pain, you can't be sad or like, you're feeling upset because this person did this to you, but like, you can't feel that you don't need to feel that way because you're, you're free. Like, and Tyler, 
he validated a lot that night and not in the way that he just like sat with me in my anger and frustration. He was just like, that was a long period of your life. Like you, you know, that was a significant thing in your life and it means a lot. So just like hearing, I don't even remember all he said, but he just really like that conversation really affected me and impacted me. And there were several like things after that where Tyler was super pivotal in just showing me God's love and showing me how much God loves me and like continually. And so I think I was getting like, it was all seeds planted. Like every time, even though it wasn't like, boom, this huge moment, it was a seed that was planted and it was chipping away at my heart. (laughs) And it just had to be Morgan, I feel like, because I, I felt like she understood. And I think like, what you said, how you, you love to have so many different stories on here because someone's going to relate to someone differently. And it, it took Morgan for this to like really click finally. Um, because I felt like I could relate to it on some level. So that's when, yeah, after Morgan is when things really started to change. And I think that was, I looked back one time to figure it out. I think it was February. So February 2020. So when you're watching this video and, and you're hearing this testimony, there wasn't a lot of theology in in Morgan's story, right? She's just like, my husband did this, and then the Holy Spirit came and did this. And mm-hmm. at this point when Morgan's sharing this, this is like a month after like this whole thing's happened. So she doesn't even know the Bible verses either. She just knows God's character and that she's filled with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. She's righteous. As you're watching this and as you're done watching this, what was the new thing that was true about you that you're like, oh, I can say that I'm free. That I didn't have to, it wasn't mine to carry, I guess, that like I could, I didn't have to carry it anymore. Mm. And sometimes I think about it and it's so simple that I feel like I don't know how to explain it. Like it's almost like it doesn't have necessarily a big explanation. It was just like, I felt this way and then I didn't. <laughs> um, so sometimes I struggled to explain it because it was just like it had been all these truths had been planted in me and things and the lies had been chipped away. And it was like finally that last big splinter was just like pulled out. And I was able to say, like, this isn't mine to bear. I can lay it down and don't have to like hold on to it because I was just holding on to it and it was just continually hurting me the more I held on to it and I gave more power to that than than what Jesus could do. It's I wish I like wish I had written it all down or something so that I could remember like the exact words Morgan said and what like hit me the most, but I just remember feeling like I had finally stopped fighting a fight that I couldn't fight and that wasn't mine because it was done and I finally just stopped and it was like a weight. Fine, I was finally a weight. Finally lifted. I know I had said it that first day with you. I had said, "Yeah, I feel lighter." I like actually felt lighter now. I wasn't carrying this huge thing on me. So and it isn't. It isn't. It isn't bulk when people feel lighter. Like that's a real thing. No, it's a real thing. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Um, but yeah, like the 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 seeds. Tyler had said a couple things leading up to this where I felt like he. I was continually being shown a God that genuinely just loved me. And one night I, Tyler was texting me about something and he said, 
God's with you. Picture him on your bed with his arm over your shoulder or on your back saying like, he loves you. And in so many words, something like that. And I just remember bawling because I was picturing it and I actually felt that love and that comfort that even though I had something going on, I felt, I felt his presence and I felt his, um, my view of him was changing. My judgmental God who only was going to approve of me if I followed X, Y, and Z was turning into this God who just loved me and literally does care about the stupid little things. Um, cause I think, I think often I would think, Oh, this is little, I don't really deserve it. It's not, as, it's not very big in the grand scheme of like what's actually important in life. And that view of God was just changing. God cares about the smallest little things in my life because he cares about me and he's like my father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, that's really when that, that just, I stopped fighting and I started letting God love me. Yeah. You're kind of just running. And then when you stop, he's chasing after you. So he kind of, if you stop, he just kind of smacks right into you. And yeah, like, oh, you, you've been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So then you start, if I remember correctly, you're able to start cracking open your Bible a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. And reading it and feeling like it was real and it was like coming to life. I remember me and my roommate, cause we were both kind of going through and like realizing and accepting freedom at the same time. And she also, after I listened to Morgan's, she listened to it and we would come home at night and we would read our Bibles before bed or in the morning and be like, did you know it said this? <laughs> this is so cool. Like, I'm reading my Bible and it makes sense. And like, I get it and I feel like it's alive now. And it was just really fun to have, especially just to have someone like I lived with, that I could have these conversations with. And we would just, we'd stay up talking about, you know, how we see things so differently. Everything's just so, everything is like taking, taking off these glasses that was kind of like muffling everything and everything's just very like bright. And then, Another thing about learning how God loved me and how God loves other people and that it truly, like, I can't look at someone and what they're doing without thinking about why they're doing it, Hmm. which is a two-edged sword in my opinion because now I look at people and I think, like, oh, this is what they're doing. This is why they're doing it but they're a child of God and then my heart just hurts for them. Mm -hmm. So it's almost harder because you I – I see, I see pain and I see hurt and I see struggle in a different way now because sometimes pain and hurt and struggle comes out as anger, people who backstab you, lie to you, whatever, treat you rudely. And now it's like something's inside them. They're believing a lie. They're hurting something. And that's why they're acting this way. Even if it's frustrating, like knowing everybody's why it's like, oh, I can't even be mad at you because like, I know why you're doing this. Um, Well, I mean. I guess it's a two-edged sword, but it positions you to actually live the way Jesus lived mm-hmm. and just love them. Yeah. Because you can't be above somebody and love them. You mm-hmm. can't look down and just be and so when you see and then and then when you're seeing why they're doing it, you're also like, yeah, I used to do that 
And I did it yeah. for the exact same reason because I didn't feel this and I didn't understand this and I didn't know who I was. So I can't really be mad at you because I was just like you. Yeah. So as you're walking this thing out, was it just smooth sailing all the way up until, uh, you know, January 2022? Or like, how did walking <laughs> out freedom go for you? And I'm not, I'm just like talking about like, through life, just the ups and downs and, and the stress and the feelings that come and the, and the temptation to get validation from this or that. How did you walk this out? How did the newness of life get cemented into, no, this is like every single day, it's just becoming more and more who you are. Honestly, I feel like, I I don't want to say it's been a process or a journey, but there have been times where I've been super, like I've, my foundation is the truth. I'm feeding myself the truth and I've, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, and I was part of, you know, the Bible studies all the time. So having like people to talk to about it and really like filling myself with it versus there were times I didn't, there were times I stepped away and lies would come up. And there were times I didn't want to, I didn't want to have anything to do with people pointing out things or asking me questions. Um, I just wanted to like do it on my own. And so there've been times where I don't want to say I've been super free because I'm just free, but there've been times I believe lies because I was allowing lies to be fed versus when I'm like feeding myself truth and having people around me who are also encouraging me in that. And so it hasn't always been fun. <laughs> it hasn't always been great. There have been a lot. I think, you know, God has definitely pruned different things at different times. Certain things have happened that have, I think, into freedom. Sometimes I would take with me the need for approval. Like if someone was more free than me, what they said was right versus what I thought, you know, I had to follow them. And I took that like idea sometimes into freedom where I still didn't have a backbone. I still didn't have my like my own foundation. I was still kind of leaning it on people. Even though I knew truth, I would, oh, these people have more truth than me. These people are more spiritually mature than me. And there were times I struggled with that and I had to, Tyler is such a big person in my walk. I think <laughs> the, the more Same. I talk about it, the more I realize. That's my dog. He always comes around at the right times. There'll be times I'm having something and Tyler would just text me. It won't even be about that. It'll be about something else. And I'm like, bro, how do you know every time you text me, I'm going through it. I'm believing something. <laughs> um, it's like the Holy Spirit or something. Um, <laughs> or something. Wait, or something. He's really walked me out of lies several times. And it's been, you know, I consider him, people like him, people like you, like mentors in the spirit, I guess. Just people who, you know, like you said, you cut straight to the point and you get right to it and you don't sit there and you don't coddle me, but you also don't just like disregard anything going on and say, well, this is the truth about you. Just believe that. Um, I think everybody's grown in that, in that way as well. Like you guys were wild and crazy in the beginning. And there were times y'all would say things and I'd be like, man, that didn't settle with me or I don't like how they said that. And I think everybody's really, you know, grown and matured in the way that, that we call out lies. And So what is different now from when you're believing a lie than from when 
before when you were just from old, old. Oh, I know it's a lie right away. And I'm like, Caitlin, you know that if it's not of peace, it's not from God. You know that if you believe that you're, you know, if you feel shame or guilt because you messed up, this is another thing. When I, when I mess up continually, it's not like I, like you feel a little shame. I'll feel a little shame and guilt, but, but it's almost like I turn to God right away instead of before it was like, oh, like don't like <laughs> it's, I didn't feel like I wasn't valuable. There was almost times when I would mess up. I felt like God spoke to me right away directly. And I just felt like I went from whatever I was doing and I turned around immediately and I was like in his arms, like knowing that I could go straight to him and say, oh, why did I do this again? Or I'm like, I'm believing this lie that, oh, I did this, I'm not free. And he was always there to just wrap me in his arms. And that was the kind of God that, that's the kind of God I see now. And when I got the text about being on this podcast, it was when I had messed up and I was, I had like a day or two. I was like, man, you, Caitlin, you know, this is not true about you. You know that you, you shouldn't be like ridden with shame and guilt. You need to walk yourself out of this. You need to put truth in and take the lies out. And then this happens. And it's like every time I mess up and I'm feeling unworthy, God does something to let me know right away, like, that's not true. Like, you're valuable. You have a story to tell. You're loved. And that does not define you anymore. And he keeps doing that. And I think that's what's so cool about God is when anxieties come up or worries, I get to go back and I get to look at like, hey, remember when this happened? Did God not come through? No. Let's look at the evidence. Let's look at this list of events in your life that you have where every time you worry or feel bad or whatever, what did God do? Because he never He never didn't do something. He never didn't tell you something about yourself that was true. So like that's that's the God I have now. <laughs> he just loves me. And um, I was going through some old like journals, journal entries back in August of... 2021. It's like, it's kind of a mess, everything I have on here. But something that I I really, I laughed at out loud. I wrote on a sticky note, I am love like four times. And I was put, as I sat here and I continued to write, I am love. The enemy tried to attack me with anxieties between each, each line. He tried to make me feel like I'm being, like being love doesn't answer my problems or solve my stress. He tried to undermine each time I stated a truth. How rude. <laughs> He's rude. Big fat. <laughs> He's so rude. I was like, sorry, buddy. You're wrong. I am love whether you like it or not. And I was just cracking up that I'm talking like this, like in my journal. Like, sorry, Satan, you don't have, you don't have rights here anymore. Um, but just knowing, like, I was reading, we don't look back. I, I don't know if you've seen The Incredibles. Sure. But the quote from Edna she says, never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. <laughs> I wrote, she knew what she was talking about. Stop looking back at what you wish you had done when and when and just rejoice in the now. And I think that's that's where I've come to. It's stop digging in your like in your mistakes and in your rubbish and in all this crap. And because that doesn't change anything like you can't wallow enough to earn peace you can't wallow enough to prove that you're sorry enough to god it's done he already did it 
So just like turn around and walk in the path he already paved for you. So yeah, (laughs) I don't even, it's just, it's just good. It's like, and it's not, and I don't know if anybody listening to this will think like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still anxious. I still have anxiety or I still feel this way. And the privilege I have now is that I get to talk back to my anxieties and I get to look back at the evidence and I get to say, like, even if right now I feel stressed or anxious, like God always comes through. I know he's going to take care of me and I have the evidence and like I have the truth and I can just like, even if this doesn't go how I want it, what changes about me? Like Mm. nothing. Like what God says about me doesn't change. And even when my feelings do, which my feelings change all the time. (laughs) So what is just like foundational now to you? That's just like that. That's what the word says. And that's what God has said. Like, what is just foundational for you and where you live from? That what defines me is what he says about me and his love for me. And I don't have to live from a place of fear because I don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Like my life doesn't operate from fear and anxiety of what's to come or what might happen. I I have all this assurance now. I have a foundation that's unshaking. And so when I do feel shaky, that means it's not from God. So I can, it's just being able to identify lies. Like I have like that clarity of saying, okay, even if I don't identify it right away, what's this feeling and why do I feel it? And taking it to God and being like, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm like going to give it to you because it's not mine to carry and I don't have to fix it. Like (laughs) you got this. Um, Yeah. Knowing who I am. Has hearing the gospel, when you hear a different version of it now, is it pretty easy to be like, "Mm, that's not it. And like, how do you react when that happens? I think at first it was really hard. I think we went through this, you know, I was I felt like I was in this freedom bubble of everybody was just same mind and when I I went and visited a church and I remember just like it's heavy when I hear something else because I'm like you don't know that you don't have to feel this heavy and this like this is what it felt like and I just struggled with it because I'm like it doesn't feel like that. It feels light, it feels free. Um so for a while, I had to be careful that I wasn't like, oh, they're not giving me like freedom message. I'm not going to go there and instead say, you know, be a part of a conversation and speak truth and love people. And that's that's what you do. You just love people and you um, even in. So I'm going into mental health. I'm becoming a therapist. I'm starting my new job this week. And you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing therapy with people this week. Yes. I'll be a school therapist. I'll be working with kids in schools and I finished my internship in December and it's been really cool to see the parallels between like cognitive behavioral therapy and freedom. And it's like, it's the same thing just without the relationship. Like the pivotal thing is the relationship. And I was in the car one day with one of the other interns and they're doctorate interns. So they're a little like a step above me in education. And she says, what do you think is the like the pivotal, like the point of change, the mechanism of change in a, in therapy? 
And I, you know, I was naming off some things and she was like, I was like, what do you think it is? She says, I think it's the relationship. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, what? Everything she was saying, it was like, she was speaking the gospel and it had nothing to do with the gospel. She was just, she was saying, yeah, I think, you know, you can do all the theories, you can follow all the rules and you can, you can play by the book. But if you don't have a relationship with your client, like they're not going to want to apply any of that because they don't think you care about them. And I I was like on fire inside. I was like, Ooh, I get to talk about this with her. Um, And it was just so true because all of the rules and all of the rights and wrongs, none of it really matters if there's not a relationship because when there's a true relationship and you feel like they care about you, like when I finally realized how much God cares about me, that's when everything changed because I accepted, I accepted his love. And that's when I felt motive to, to change. That's when my life completely turned around because of that motivation, because of how much he loved me. There was a time I was in a relationship and I, and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, thought I was going to marriage. It didn't. I remember thinking, I'm going to be a wife. And God didn't affirm like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a wife. This is how your life's going to play out. He didn't like tell my fortune. He was just like, but you're my daughter first. And I think all he's ever done, I I used to live a life of every sign to sign. Like, God, I need a sign. Should I do this? God, I need a sign. And now it's like, I don't need signs for things. Cool things, like really cool things happen, but I don't need this miraculous like sign. I just hear him tell me all the time that like I'm loved and I'm his daughter and things just come. Like it's not hanging on to this edge and hanging on to this edge to, you know, hop to heaven. It's, it's just a constant life of, you know, he gives you discernment. He talks to you. Like I, especially in the beginning, I felt like, you know, people say, I hear God's voice. I just hear these thoughts, but they're so like obvious that I'm like that. I think God's telling me that like my thoughts would be interrupted with other thoughts. And he just, you know, tells you, you know, I love you and you're my daughter. And there's like an affirmation that comes, but there's such a big, that's just a big affirmation. Like hearing some, hearing the God of the universe say like, you're my daughter. And it's like that quiet, still feeling where you're not just another face in the crowd. Like he has identified you individually. It's such a powerful thing. And it's, it's the foundation for everything. Well, you're a testimony to me and uh, just seeing your life and how you're living it. And I've, you know, I didn't know you before December, 2019. I just heard you were Ellen White. And now <laughs> as I'm seeing your smile, I'm seeing your life. And I just know that you're pouring into people. Um, it's kind of like, it's just, it's, I'm very just proud and encouraged. And um, it's, it's just this beautiful thing. It's just a gift. So you're a testimony to me. And I, I appreciate you. And uh, now you're my sister. Thank you. Well, I think it's a testimony in and of itself that we're even having this conversation for sure because <laughs> I went from really thinking, you know, not so great things about you to, you know, you, you've you had like dad talks with me. And so <laughs> that's a big change in our relationship. So I feel like not only are you and I both testimonies, I think our friendship is a testimony in and of itself. 
And I appreciate you. I appreciate, I just really love, you and Tyler both, like, I can just, if I bring something up, it's just to the point, and I can, I know I can count on you guys to take me straight to the truth, and it's so important. So important to have that encouragement. So I appreciate you, Richard. Praise the Lord, that's the agreement. Thank you so much for for coming on, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Got me singing like glory, yeah. It got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me, uh, and love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. Uh, you can feel the freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality, and if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper, and the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you.